Welcome to the Graceful Exit Podcast. I'm Kimberly Hertz, founder of the Graceful Exit, created to educate, empower, and support women as they navigate divorce. Beginning with us, we are putting a stop to the divorce stigma through meaningful conversations about the emotional and endearing experience divorce often brings. My hope is that you'll follow along on this journey and join our community of women navigating divorce with grace. Hi, everybody. Today, I have the pleasure of talking with India Kern, who is actually a certified divorce coach. She's navigated the trenches of her own divorce and has turned her pain into purpose by becoming a coach. And so what we'll do is kind of give you a little bit of background on her personally and then turn into the professional world. So India, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, give us a little bit of background. Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is India Kern. So how did I get here? Well, back in 2011, I went through a very painful divorce. I was blindsided. Basically, I went to go pick up my husband from the airport and he slung his luggage in the car and said it's over. And I didn't know what he was talking about. (laughs) I thought he was talking about his relationship with Southwest Airlines, but it was actually our marriage. And so I had about 15 minutes to change his mind because it was a drive from the airport to our house was 15 minutes. As those stories go, there was a lot more to the story. And I quickly realized there was another person on our marriage and she was pregnant. And it was super, super painful because it was as if I compare it to a tsunami mm-hmm. because it came in three. So, okay, he wants a divorce. I have no idea why. Oh, wait, there's someone else. Oh, wait, she's pregnant. And so it was just like, bam, bam, bam. So every time I came up for air, I got hit with another wave. And I felt very much underwater. In fact, I even wrote a book and the cover of the book is heels underwater because that was what I felt. Mm -hmm. And so then they did get married two weeks after our divorce was finalized. And my therapist at the time officiated the wedding. So again, that was another, that was another like, bam, I was like, Oh my gosh, I have no hope in humanity. So then a month later, they had a baby. So that's in the span of seven months. That wasn't like two and a half years. That was from data separation to seven months later. And there's a new baby. And my kids are getting used to a new stepmom Mm -hmm. and a new half-brother. So yeah, so it was really, really painful. What I found to be very helpful was writing. And so Mm -hmm. my journal... My journals, because I had many, <laughs> became a book called Surviving the Unwanted Divorce. Wow. How old were your children at the time? So they were eight and six. Gosh. And then, well, you're saying that was a seventh month period. And then I'm sure, you know, having children as well, you're having to navigate co-parenting with him. So how did you get through all of it? What advice can you give? So I didn't do that great in the beginning. I had a therapist, but that really didn't help me with a game plan. Like I didn't know. And I don't think many divorce coaches existed back then. It was 2011. If I'd had a guide, I would have used a divorce coach. So that's why I became, I became the guide I didn't have because I was in therapy concentrating on why I chose the partner I did. Hmm. And that was useful, but it didn't help me prepare for the business of divorce Mm -hmm. and going to court. And, you know, even though it was a very fast transition from married to divorce, after that, there were many more 
legal issues. So we were going back and forth to court over custody, over money, over all that. So it wasn't like I ripped the bandaid off and then it was okay. It was more like every other year I would get served papers. And so that's what I needed help with. Unless you're in a divorce space, which many people aren't, you really don't know what to expect. So I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm -hmm. So I could have really used education and knowledge on how to handle that, like a game plan. So getting back to your question, how did I deal? Well, I wrote a lot and I spent a lot of time in solitude, which was the one thing that I tried to resist the most, but it was the one thing I needed the most. So I was sat in stillness. I grieved. I cried. I wrote. And so what it did is it took all the muck and mire out of my brain and it dumped it on the pages of my journal. Mm-hmm. And so then I could close the journal and put it on a shelf and I didn't have to have it take up that mental real estate. And I did it many times, you know, so that helped me a lot. I also really leaned on my faith because that was another big part of what got me through. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that. I think oftentimes... And I just wrote about this too. It's we often stay so insanely busy that we don't want to live in that pain. But I think it's important to take a time out to grieve, to really acknowledge everything that we have been through so that you can find out what was broken and how to get past that. How long did that period last for you until you kind of regained the strength to say, okay, this happened for a reason. I'm now out of it. And here's what I'm going to do with it. The real heartache lasted probably about six to eight months of just excruciating heartache. And when you say taking that solitude or stillness to grieve, I see it as a rinsing. So the more you cry it out and you feel the pain, I believe you're one step closer to healing. So I think it's very important to grieve and there's nothing wrong with it. And to be in that stillness. After that, I was coming through this process And I would say I was underwater for about two years. And then I don't want to scare people here. I was flying by the seat of my pants. I didn't have any help. Now there's so much out there that, you know, I think mine may have been longer than normal, but I was figuring it out on my own. And so that's what I would say to my clients. I'm like, I made every mistake in the book. So you don't have to. Yeah. So, you know, three years of fumbling my way. And then I was like, oh, wait, this happened for a reason. You know, pain is never in vain. And I actually did use it. And now I help other people. So it gave me incredible purpose in my life that I didn't have before. Wow, that's so beautiful. And I just appreciate what you're doing. So can you briefly explain what it is to be a certified divorce coach? And because again, I kind of go back to my divorce, I would have paid somebody to guide me through this. But even when I was going through it, which was four years ago, I didn't even know divorce coaches existed. So I think part of our mission is really to get the education out there that these folks exist. They've been through it. They've lived through it, have empathy and can help you get to that other side. Right. So that's a great question. A lot of people you know, say, well, what's the difference between coaching and therapy? Well, you can have a coach and a therapist. There's very little overlap. So basically, a therapist looks back and asks the question, why? Like, why are you here? How did you arrive here in this divorce transition? And they look at family of origin and, you know, all your past choices, the red flags you missed, 
Whereas a coach is going to say from this point forward, how, how are we going to get through this? How are you going to go to mediation and feel confident? I often talk about creating a game plan. I can't stress the importance of having a plan Mm -hmm. to your divorce. And I didn't know this. I didn't know any of this. So again, I stumbled my way through it. But you know, here's the thing. We spend gobs of money on the legal, right? And on the financial and even the real estate. And then for some reason, we tend to put our emotional well-being on the back burner. Mm -hmm. And we have to live with ourselves the rest of our life. So it really should be the most important, the paramount to anything else. Yet, for some reason, especially women, we tend to give ourselves breadcrumbs, but, you know, spend money on this, that, and the other. But yet, feeling inside, we have a poor self-image. We have low self-confidence. And then we can't make good decisions in that frame of mind. Many of us, when we go through unwanted divorce, or even if you were blindsided, you are dealing with fear. You're really in a fight or flight response. And the last thing you can do is make a decision. So coaches come alongside you. It's more like shoulder to shoulder. Mm -hmm. And we help you deal with the obstacles in your path. So maybe it's, should I do mediation? Or do I hire a lawyer? And as I was saying before, unless you're in the divorce space, you really don't know the differences. And I'll tell you an example. Mm -hmm. So when I was facing divorce, we actually hired a mediator. And I went to the mediation meeting. And my ex-husband is a powerful guy, right? And he's very influential and charismatic. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get railroaded in this. Little did I know I could have a consulting attorney. But see, if I'd had someone like a coach going, wait a second, before you switch to attorney and lawyer up, maybe you should look at hiring a consulting attorney so you have an advocate, so you have someone in your corner because we would have saved so much money. Mm -hmm. Because then I was like, not going to do mediation, don't want to get railroaded. And I hired an attorney. I love my attorney, still do, but I probably would have saved thousands of dollars if I'd stuck it out in mediation and just known, had more knowledge around the process. Right. Help me understand the process of hiring a divorce coach. How long do they last? Is it once a week? Is it once a month? Or how do you navigate it all? That's a good question. So everyone's different. Some Mm -hmm. people come to me and they're needing that game plan immediately. So they're right, you know, on the cusp of divorce, they've already hired a mediator. And they're like, okay, I need help with this. So I have one now and she's positioning it where that every time she comes to me, it's right before a mediation appointment or her mortgage lender trying to figure out, do I keep the house or do I try to buy them out? And all these questions, I'm like a sounding board. We walk down the different paths. Okay, what happens if you keep the house? What is that going to cost you? What if you have to put a new roof on? Are you going to be able to handle that? What is it like if you are to sell the house and buy out your spouse? What does that look like? So she's like weekly, right? But then others like to go every two, three weeks. I even have one that comes monthly. And so as far as how long they stay with me, it's really a personal choice. I've had people stay with me for over a year, almost two years. And I've had other people that five sessions are enough. Mm -hmm. So it really depends on the person and what they need and where they are in their transition. Like 
meaning emotionally, because some people are wrecked and some people are like, I got this. I'm going to do it. I just need a little extra help. Mm -hmm. Do you find that there's common themes between your clients and, you know, offering that advice of hope on the other side that you can share with us? Yes, there's a lot of common themes. And I think one of the most common themes is that we have to work from the inside out. So it starts with you and your mindset. And when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. So Mm -hmm. the inside out approach, it starts with me. Then once I change my mindset, that changes my interpersonal relationships. And this has happened to me fairly recently. You know, my first husband and I are very civil. We go to graduation together. My 18-year-old graduated recently and we were fine. But it's because I changed the way I looked at things, then my interpersonal relationship, he changed as a result of me. And then the whole environment changes. So my kids see it. So it starts with you. And that's what the common theme is. Mm -hmm. is that it takes accountability no matter what. Even in my situation where I felt like in the beginning, if you had said, well, how can you take some accountability in this divorce? At first, I would have been like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. I didn't do anything. But actually, there's a lot of accountability that I could claim. Mm -hmm. And it was accepting the unacceptable behavior that became a habit in the marriage. And then how about learning to trust again? So I know that's one common theme that I have always gotten asked, especially with the infidelity that you have been through. Mm -hmm. How do you learn to trust again? You know, what are some of the ways you personally navigated that or you share with your client? Mm -hmm. Okay, so trust, I don't know why it was never an issue for me, but I do understand why it would be. I was very crystal clear on what I wanted to create my life. And I think sometimes when you ask people, what do you intend to create? They do not have an answer. So Mm -hmm. it starts there. If you can't answer, like, where do you want your life to be in five years? That's where you start. Because if you don't have an answer, you don't get what you don't aim for. So you got to have aim. You got to set a destination. So I had a pretty clear destination. And I had some targets that I knew I had to hit because I knew I wanted to remarry one day. Mm -hmm. So I knew in this future husband that I didn't know yet, he had to hit some markers. He had to be aligned with my core values. So you got to know your core values. He had to be of faith because my first one, there was the faith piece missing. You know, he had to hit some things. And if that wasn't present, then I knew that I shouldn't continue forward. So a lot of this work, again, is going from the inside out. Knowing who you are, what you stand for, and what you want first. And then when those people come into your life, does this align with my beliefs, with what I intend to create? And if it doesn't, you have to let it go. Right. I think the most beautiful and powerful thing, though, is the fact that you have to sit in the grief, sit in the discomfort for you to be able to then clearly identify the next five years down the road, right? Because I know it was so hard when navigating the trenches of divorce, the going in and out of court. You don't have that mind space to navigate that, right? Right, right. So it takes a journey of time, I would say, or pause in life. There is a grief process and you have to go through it. In that process, yeah, you're right. You probably can't really pinpoint what you 
want to create, but it's very important that you grieve. And oftentimes I hear, I should be further along than this. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, nope, you're exactly where you're supposed to be because everyone's different. It doesn't mean because your friend got through it faster that, you know, you're not grieving correctly. (laughs) Grief is a very individual process and you have to go through all of it. And it's not linear. It is all over the map and you can ping pong between all the grief emotions within really a two hour period, especially in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So you might take two steps forward, one step back. You might even do two steps forward, two steps back and not make any traction in a day, but it's okay because if you view grieving as one step closer to healing, then you know you're doing something right. It's good to grieve, even though nobody likes it. It's not fun. Yeah, it's so true. And then question about your practice. Can women go to you prior to divorce or thinking about divorce? Yes. Yes, And I'm glad you brought that up because Mm -hmm. I love when I have someone that comes to me and says, I'm contemplating divorce. I don't know. I'm on the fence. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Because if we can save a marriage, that's a wonderful thing. Now, it's not always possible. And sometimes divorce is inevitable. But there are things that you can do. So if you do go down the path of divorce, you know that you've exhausted every resource and you know that this is the only choice. So I love those clients. So yes, I always say that even if you're on the fence, come to me. We will, again, we will work, we will walk down every path to see what it is that best serves you. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And then you are physically based in San Diego, California. However, you are able to service any client anywhere. Is that correct? That is correct. So I do online virtual coaching sessions. I also do in person if you're in San Diego mm-hmm. and want to do that. So yeah, I can service anyone all over the country. Wonderful. So we will definitely put your information in our show notes, but where can people find you should they want to your services? And I know Gosh, I desperately needed your services while going through it. And I'm bummed that we met post award. <laughs> I'm blessed to know you um, and what you're doing. So, Oh, well, thank you. Well, you can go to my website. It's my name. It's India, I-N-D-I-A, just like the country, Kern, K-E-R-N.com. And I have a ton of free content. You can even sign up for a free consultation. So yeah, check it out. Oh gosh. Well, I appreciate you more than you know, and just being a shining example of turning pain into purpose and just being able to give back to this community. I so appreciate you. Is there anything in closing that you would like to add? I did see something that I thought the graceful exit is such a beautiful name because when I was trying to figure out the name of my book, Uh actually the subtitle, okay, surviving the unwanted divorce. I was toying with walking through the valley of divorce with grace and dignity. So I just thought it was cool. I love your name. It reflects on what I was trying to do through the process of divorce. You can do this with grace. Mm -hmm. And just out of curiosity, I often ask, what does grace mean to you? It means, you know, I read something today on Instagram of all things. Uh And it said, erasing everything you said, like a long paragraph and just replying, okay. Sometimes you just got to drop the rope. When I say drop the rope, I mean the tug of war rope because that's the way you end the conversation. That's the way you you end the conflict. And I'm not saying comply, but sometimes 
it's so much easier just to not grab onto the rope and just hold that tension, just drop it. And that's grace to me is taking that higher rope. Yeah, it does not serve you one bit to continue on that tug of war, as you mentioned. And I so appreciate that feedback. Well, I do want to thank you for again coming on and I just appreciate all that you're doing. So thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me as a guest. Thank you. Take care.